Happy Tuesday. Tom Mann here. Rev Tom, your favorite host with the most. Uh, I'm glad you're joining me. If you're joining me, glad you're watching. If you're watching, um, if you're listening to podcast, uh, when I get this up, hey, thanks for that. If you're watching on YouTube, bueno. Thanks for all the uh, support you guys give me. Uh, tonight is, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's a sermon. I don't know if it's uh, a counseling session. I don't know if I'm just talking to myself. I don't know. But uh, I want to go into some heavy, deep, and real stuff. Uh, you know, that's that's my ministry name, heavy, deep, and real. And uh, I tend to speak about topics that are um, not necessarily addressed in the church sometimes. Uh, and and tonight I'm kind of going to go a little deeper than than the church usually goes on on some of this stuff. So I want to talk about um, how do you stay connected to God in troubled water, or uh, you know, put it in in less uh, uh, headline terms, when your life is not going great or you're having a struggle or you're spiraling or, you know, something's going on in your life and you've just hit, hit a, hit a rough spot or you're in a bad season or whatever you want to call it. How do you stay connected to God? Because the reality is, um, you don't want to stay connected to God. And, uh, you, you know, if you get in, in one of these places where, you're not feeling good about life. You're not feeling good about yourself. You're not feeling good about your circumstances. Uh, you're you're less likely just to continue to have this conversation. Stay connected to God. Stay stay in the Word. Um, do the things that would that would allow God to help you more. And it's kind of counterintuitive because you think you would stay more connected. You would think that it would be easier for you to uh, uh, cry out to God in, in things, but uh, you may just find that. Uh, the exact opposite happens, and that's my experience with myself and other people, is when you hit these roadblocks or you hit these times, you just, you just like, you know, you, you, you don't want to not talk to God, but you just get to a place where you're like, eh, you, 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 get, you lack a little hope, you, you get discouraged, you lack a lot of motivation, um, if you're kind of dis, uh, discouraged, depressed, you, know, you, you, just, you just don't want to put the energy into it, and, uh, or the effort. And you don't really want the results because, you know, sometimes God says no. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't work out. And so uh, sometimes it's easier just to avoid the whole thing. And so, uh, and then there, there's other times when, when you're really struggling um, that it doesn't even cross your mind because you're, you're struggling so hard that you know, it's, not, it's not part of your, your routine or mindset. Uh, it drops off. I've, I've talked to a number of people this past week who have confided that um, they get caught up in things and they, they, they slip away. They slip away from, from God. I can tell you myself, I'm, I'm going through a little bit of a rough patch and uh, it's really easy not to talk to God about it. Um, it's really easy just to kind of um, get inside your own head and kind of stay there with it. Uh, you know, the other thing you do, um, I don't know if you do, I do, is you just yammer to God all the time about it, and you're just like da 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 da, da and you don't get any results, and you don't get any feedback from God, and you're just not hearing anything, and uh, um, that leaves you just just as much stuck. And so I want I want to just kind of talk real tonight about um, how how you go about about this. If you hear my puppies in the background, it's because they're barking. We got people over, and I've got them locked out of my room so they can't come in here and join us. Um, and that upsets them sometimes because they want to be with their dad. Who blames them, right? So, um, you know what 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 is your what is your regular life look like? You know, when you're, when you're not having um, an emotional or mental or spiritual or physical issue. And I mention all four of those because you can have 
you know, every everyone gets the emotional part when you're emotionally up and down, right? Um, you can have a mental part. You know, let's say you have, like I do, I've, I've got this thing called complex PTSD. Um, I thought it was just PTSD, but I'm more complex than that, apparently. And uh, it, it screws me up. And, and, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm kind of screwed up. So there's, there's the mental piece. Um, there's a spiritual piece. Maybe you're not hearing from God. Maybe you're, you know, you're in this, in this desert season. And then, and then the physical piece. You know, we don't talk about this much, but some people have physical issues. You know, I've got chronic pain issues and very, oh God, just like that. I got a broken toe and I think I just moved it wrong. And wow, whoo, that lets you know that you're alive. So you're, that was a good timing too. You know, God's good, huh? So I got this chronic pain issue and, you know, with chronic pain comes uh, some depression and discouragement and, and uh, you're tired all the time and all that other stuff. And so there's, there are all four legs of that stool, which is the physical, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual can play into um, just, just, just how you can get down, how you can get to a place where you're um, not yourself. So I, I want to start with what does your normal what does your normal baseline look like? I mean, that's that's always where we have to start on these things. Is what is the baseline? So, um, there 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 are three or four things in the faith that we're supposed to be doing. Okay, and it's really important. It's important for our our learning. It's important for our encouragement. It's important for uh, our growth. Our what they call progressive sanctification, so that we're getting closer and closer to Jesus. It's important for for a, a lot of the things that. Um, that we are supposed to do as Christians. And and so first is reading scripture, right? It's God's word. All, all scripture is God breathed. And so when you read scripture, you're reading God's word. Um, I see, I've seen, by the way, I've seen a lot of people lately posting a quote by C.S. Lewis that says that don't mistake God's word for a relationship with Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And it's taken really out of context. Um, and they're trying to prove that like God's word's not inerrant. Don't listen to those people. It's God's word. And so when you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit is revealing God's truth to you through Scripture. And and honestly, if you didn't have the Bible, you would know nothing about God or Jesus. So, you know, don't listen to that nonsense. So the first thing we're supposed to do is read God's Word. Meditate on the Word day and night, right? That's that's what we're supposed to do. And so you got to have a handle on it. Um, I don't know many people that really, really put the time into their Bible. And uh, uh, like my wife does and some of the people around the church I know do. Uh, but most are not putting their time in. And, you know, for me, my my normal, my, my baseline is I grab a Bible. I got one right here, by the way. Um, and every, it's not every year, but every whatever it is, I grab a Bible and I read it. And I read it with a highlighter. I don't know if you can see this or not. And I highlight everything. And I read it and then I finish it. And I grab another Bible different um, translation, for example. This was an NIV. I'll grab an ESV, HCSB. New King James is what I'm in now. Um, every, whenever I finish one, I grab another one. And I read it. And uh, um, actually, I finished, what did I finish? I finished one, and now I'm in this uh, Ray Comfort's uh, uh, Scientific Proof Bible or something like this. I don't know. But I read all these different Bibles. And, and it, it over and over and over because every time you read the Bible, it's different. I mean, God's revealing different things to you because it's a living word. It's not, you're not reading Moby Dick and it's the same story every time. It's, 
the living word and, and, and the Holy Spirit's breathing into you, uh, the word of God. And, and you, you know, it's funny, you read a verse and you've read it 16 times and the 17th time, it means something completely different. And that's because the Holy Spirit says you're ready to hear that part. So our first thing is in our baseline is, is scripture reading. So where, where are you with your scripture reading? And this is really important because when you get to your place, when you're outside your baseline, it's really hard to, you know, rely on God's word if you don't know God's word. And when you're in that dank place, dank's a good word, isn't it? Um, you don't want to read the Bible. I mean, let's just be honest. And you, you just you just don't feel like it. Um, and and so you, you got to have it in your head. You know, you just got to have it in your head. Uh, so that's the first thing. Prayer is the second thing. And what's, what's your normal prayer life like? Are you just saying grace and praying, you know, Lord's Prayer when you go to bed? I mean, or when you get up? Who knows? What, what are you doing? Or are you praying unceasingly? You know, Scripture says pray unceasingly. Talk to God all the time about everything. What's your baseline? Right? See, the reason you know, again, you need to know your baseline is you got to know when you slip out of it. If you don't know what your baseline is, if you don't know what the norm is, then you won't recognize when you're not doing the norm. Okay? So that, that prayer life is just, just vitally important because you will notice when you start to spiral and, and go to that darker place, you'll notice you're not talking to God as much. Uh, thirdly, scriptures don't stop meeting like some people do. The fellowship of believers, the, the idea of being around like-minded people who will encourage and lift you up. Sometimes when we get to these places where we're not feeling great about things, we isolate. And uh, um, because we're no fun to be around, and we don't really want to be around anybody anyway. Um, so that's another indication. You know, are you going to the Bible studies? Are you connecting with people? Are you even going to church on Sunday? Do you want? Do you even want to see these people? Uh, yeah, that that's a baseline thing. What are you doing? What's it look like? So you got you got first you got the reading of His Word, then you got the prayer, and then you got your fellowship, right? Right, and and then I think it's important that you. Uh, look at what other study of you are you doing your discipleship right the, the bible's incredible um, fellowship's great uh, church and all that is important making sure you're hearing sermons and all those type of things making sure you're in prayer all the time is great for baseline but then the, the fourth leg of that stool on the baseline for me is study study you you there are so many brilliant people out there that that have written great stuff and you got to read and you've got to educate yourself and you've got to um you know, put the time in and look at, look, you know, look at me and my bookshelves behind me. Uh, people are always trying to read what books are there. Um, most, I, I don't know, I got four bookshelves behind me and every shelf except maybe, I don't know, six uh, are, are religious books, are, are books on, on something that has to do with God and Jesus and the gospel and whatever it might be. You got to put the time in and I got more bookshelves upstairs. That, that do the same thing. And uh, um, and I'm happy to say I've read most of the books there. Some are uh, are waiting. They're on my waiting list. But you, you put the time in. So when you know your baseline and you say, okay, this is what my, my baseline Christian life looks like, then you can know when you're spinning out of it. Now, um, if you don't do any of those things, let's say you're not praying a lot, and you're not reading the Bible a lot, and you're certainly not going to church and, you know, you don't have any books. <laughs> you know, you're just, you haven't read a book since high school or college. Uh, it's hard to tell when you slip out of that, right? Because you're not actually doing it. 
Uh, so what is your what is your litmus test to find out, hey, I'm outside of, of where I'm supposed to be? The next thing you do is this. Uh, this, this, is, this is just my personal litmus test, and I think it's a good one. You look at the spiritual fruit in Galatians 5. Uh, it's 5, 21, 22, I believe. What's fun is if you go to Galatians like 19 through 21, it talks about all the things that are bad, you know, that, that are basically fruit of the devil. And then they said the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And those nine things are super important because when you have those nine things, it means you're aligned. You're aligned with God. Love and peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Now, let's start with the first one, love. Once you get to love and you say, "Am I do I have that right now or am I just pissed off at everybody and don't want anybody to love me back, then, then you kind of know. Patience. Patience. I love the word of the New King James and the Old King James is, is long-suffering. It's not patience. It's long-suffering. And that's a good word <laughs> because um, maybe you're tired of being long-suffering. And you, know, you can tell when you're out of alignment with that kind of stuff. Now, what's interesting is if you want to cross-reference the agape love that they talk about in, in uh, that Galatians 5 reference, you go over to 1 Corinthians uh, 13, and love is, right? And love is patient, love is kind, love is blah, blah, blah. Well, look at that and say, are you feeling that? Are you treating other people kindly? Are you doing all these things? So there's all sorts of, of ways to look at Scripture and go, yeah, I think I'm off kilter. Well, that doesn't help you. I mean, I'll just be candid with you. That doesn't help fix the problem. Uh, you feel like you feel. I always tell people that that your perception of life is your reality. And and this is where people, when they tell you this, hey, buck up, you'll be fine. You know, screw off. I, that, <laughs> that is lousy advice. Um, I think lousy advice, too, is the platitudes that the church give. Just give it to God and you'll be fine. I mean, <laughs> you go give it to God if you can figure out how to do that. I mean, it's not that easy. And I, I don't like those kind of simplistic, shallow, um, I don't know, I, I should be nice, but I don't feel nice right now. Uh, I don't like those answers because I don't think they're realistic for someone who's struggling and is in troubled water. And so we got to look a little deeper in scripture and we got to look a little deeper in our relationship with Jesus to figure out um, how do you stay connected to God when you're in this place? Now, I want to point out, and God, I prayed about this before. I have no notes. The Holy Spirit's just giving me stuff. The Holy Spirit just threw at me the, uh, the Daniel story and the, uh, uh, the fiery furnace story. And uh, uh, think about this for a second. God did not keep Daniel out of the lion's den, right? God didn't keep Abednego, Meshach, and Shadrach out of the furnace, he saved them in the midst of it. And if you look at your Bible heroes, he didn't keep them from the hardships. He didn't keep Job from his hardship. He didn't keep Jacob from the things that Jacob went through. I mean, you go go through your Bible heroes. I don't care who picked David had to live in a cave, for goodness sakes. I mean, think, think about all your heroes. Even Solomon. Solomon was the wisest guy in the world, but he couldn't get his own life in order. Uh, God didn't keep him from the, the troubles he had, and at the end of his life, realizing he threw his entire life away. Uh, so, so what we find is that one of the one of the truths that we find in Scripture is you're going to go through stuff. You know, Scripture tells you clearly. Jesus said you're going to have trouble in this world, but have you know take take courage. I have overcome the world. 
what does that mean? Well, Satan's the prince of this world, Scripture says. So everything in this world is kind of all the systems and everything is run by him. And most people are not believers, so he's got them blinded and they're just doing his his bidding. Um, and that's why the world is so crazy and it always has been. And then Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. Well, he's overcome Satan and we get that. And, you know, but during this lifetime, it's going to be it's going to be hard. And there's going to be there's going to be hardships and there's going to be trouble and there's going to be um, times when you're just not feeling it. And and I was talking I was talking to somebody. Oh, I was talking to a guy. Uh, interesting story. She he he got got a hold of me through my website and he was he was talking to me and responding to something I'd written. And this fella uh, was really struggling with his relationship with God and. Uh, uh, his comment to me was really interesting. He says, like, in the church, they don't accept the fact that I have questions and, and I disbelieve some things and I struggle with, with some of the you know basic tenets of stuff and they don't want me there. And I'm like, that's exactly where you need to be. You need to be embraced by people and shown the truth of Jesus. Um, but the churches today, you know, when you're, they don't want, they don't, they don't want the messy part. Most churches, they don't want the messy people and uh the high maintenance people and uh, uh yeah it's and, and and pastors don't have time for it and the lay leaders don't aren't equipped for it i remember there was this great lady that came to our church and she was extraordinarily high maintenance when she first came there there was a ministry partner i had a guy named jim blackwell great guy and jim and i uh connected with this person we were going to help her out because we were doing kind of the social work if you will for the church and this gal would, would would call us 10, 15 times a day, uh, back and forth between Jim and I. And we had to tell her, look, you, you can only call each of us once. This is crazy. And she would not get off the phone. I have text messages still to this day that I don't know how you could do that on a phone, write that much stuff. I mean, it was it was like a 500-page essay. Uh, it, but she was, she was great. I just love this woman to death. Uh, she was so funny, but she was so high maintenance. Church doesn't want to deal with that. Most churches don't have people that will roll up their sleeves and, and you know, get dirty. So what is what happens on a Sunday? How you doing? I'm doing great. How was your week? Fantastic. <laughs> that is, that's not true. You know, you're lying. Your week wasn't great. Some people don't come to church because they're having a hard time, right? And they don't feel like they're aligned enough with everybody else in the church that they don't show up. And nobody cares. No one checks on them, right? And... Uh, that, that kind of stuff is, is bothersome to me because I think the church is there for the sick people. So when you're actually not feeling it, the first place you should go is church and get around friends and brothers and sisters in Christ who can minister to you and lift you up and all those kind of things. But we just, we just don't have that. And that trust level doesn't exist really in the church sometimes where someone will actually confide and, and do that. Sometimes in small groups I will, which is good, um, but not not always. Most of us who struggle with something, um, honestly, just ha kind of have to suck it up and hide it because no one really wants to hear anyway. There's this great T-shirt out there <laughs> that says "Nobody cares, work harder," and and I love that T-shirt. I think that I would love to get it for my like my karate students. Nobody cares, work harder because the reality in life, nobody cares. At least that's what it feels like. And so when you're in your, your spiral, danky place, uh, it's really hard to stay connected to God because you just don't really feel like staying connected to God. 
even though that's the place and the source of all your power and all your encouragement and everything else. And so I want to walk through a little bit of what Scripture says. Um, and again, I'm just relying on the Holy Spirit to reveal whatever he's going to reveal to me. Uh, I, have, I have no idea. I didn't really plan for this. So the first story that comes to my mind is Peter, who is uh, on the boat, and, and the waves are crashing, right? This is when Jesus was walking out on the waves to him. And they think the boat's going to get swamped in this lake, and they're going to drown. And these guys are like professional fishermen. So you, you ever watch a Deadliest Catch show? Sometimes I watch that, and I'm, I, not because I care about what they're catching or doing, but just to watch the boat on the ocean. That is crazy stuff. You'd never catch me on a boat in that in the Bering Straits or anything like that. That's just, that's insane. So when Peter and John and James, the, the professional fishermen, are worried that the boat's going to swamp and they're going to die, um, and they're fighting against the wind and all this stuff, that's pretty serious. You know, that's pretty serious. And here comes Jesus walking on a boat walking on the water and they think he's a ghost so they're not only are they going to die but they're they're scared to death that they're seeing ghosts and jesus says hey it's just me hey it's me and peter's like well if it's you lord let me come walk on the water with you and uh, of course jesus said come on out come and peter, peter gets out of the boat and he's walking on the water he's looking straight at jesus All right the storm's raging it didn't say the storm calmed it, it just said that that peter walks on the water well what happens you all know the story Peter looked around, took his eyes off Jesus, and began to sink and drown. Because why? He took his eyes off Jesus, got concerned with the storm. And it's a great illustration for us in that in the midst of our trouble, we take our eyes off Jesus and we start looking at the storm. And again, I'm not sure if I'm ministering to you or me. Um, we'll see how this goes. Uh, it's so easy to get focused on the storm because the storm's painful. And the storm is real, and the storm is tangible, and the storm has consequences, and the storm you have to live with every moment of whatever period of time it is in the storm. So this idea that, uh, yeah, I mean, you're supposed to keep your eyes on Jesus, but but how do you not get distracted? That that's that's the lesson of the Peter walking on water. It's not that he did this great miracle. It's that. Peter couldn't stay focused on Jesus and not get distracted by the storm. So I think the first lesson we learn from Scripture is in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your storm, you got to stay focused on Jesus. And, and honestly, you know, think about this. And, 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 and I do this. And I'm actually doing this now. Uh, no one else is going to solve your problem. There, there are problems you have in your life that are not solvable. There are um, differences of opinion and difference in culture and difference in, um, you know, uh, circumstances. And, you know, some circumstances are not solvable. You, you can't get to the answer. Well, what does that leave you? Either hopeless or you end up keeping your eyes focused on Jesus and you're like, well, you know, Jesus, you're going to have to figure this out because I can't. You know, I'm just lost and, you know, this one's, I'm putting this one back on your plate. Because, you know, the, the Lord can do whatever he wants. And you have to rely on his power, not your own, and the Holy Spirit and the rest to rectify or, or fix whatever the, uh, the situation is. Or, you know, change your thinking enough where you can transform to a place where, you know, you're okay with what's going on. And so the first lesson of scripture is, you know, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and not the storm. And I'm not going to you know, blow smoke here. I, it's really hard. It's really hard. So how do you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? Well, a couple, couple things come to mind. 
uh, you have to understand who Jesus is. And this is, goes back to your studies and all the rest. The scripture says that Jesus suffered everything we've suffered. He was tempted in every way like us. Now, we only know what we know about scripture. But I think it was John that says if they put down everything Jesus did, it would be volumes and volumes and volumes. Remember, these guys were with him for three years. What if, what if someone wrote down everything you did for three years? How much material would they have, right? They'd have a lot with me. Uh, imagine what they would have with Jesus. And so we only have a, like a, a snapshot of certain things that was, Jesus was doing during those three years. And so um, when Scripture says he, he experienced everything like we do, he, he, there are some things we experience. We go, nah, Jesus could never experience that. Well, maybe experienced it, but I don't know if it was in the same way because he's God incarnate, right? He's a man and God all together in one hypostatic union, right? So, yeah. Um, it, it's hard for us to understand uh, him experiencing something, but having no sin in, in doing it because, you know, it makes our head explode when we think about that ourselves. But to keep focus on Jesus, I can understand, I can talk to him and say, I know you get what I'm going through because you've lived this. Uh, I know you get how I'm feeling because you lived this. You, you've been here, you know. And that's the one way you can stay focused in talking with Jesus is you're not talking to somebody who doesn't know. And I think this is important because the worst thing in the world is trying to talk to somebody who has no experience or doesn't know what you're feeling or thinking because you can't explain it to them. Um, even if you're super articulate, it, it's just it's just intellect trying to understand it. They, they can't they can't get into your into your soul and feel what you're feeling. And so, uh, but Jesus can. And so the one way first is to understand that who Jesus is. He, he's been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Nothing you're going through is anything he's not experienced somehow or another. And he's God, so he knows anyway. And so you can trust going to him and having a conversation. Uh, I'm not going to say the conversation always ends with, with Jesus, like, snapping his fingers and fixing it or even responding to you sometimes sometimes that process is longer sometimes your prayers are feel like you're just talking to the ceiling and uh, um, you're not hearing anything back and and so you're like mm, i don't know what that's about but you still keep talking and that's that's kind of the big thing is still stay focused on jesus because he does know and uh, um, you know read the psalms david cries out to god all the time Jacob's wrestling with Jesus and, you know, I'm not letting you go until you bless me kind of thing, right? And Jesus pops his hip out. You, you, I mean, there's all sorts of stories about the struggle. I mean, Job, what are you doing to me, God? I'm a righteous guy. And, and it's okay to stay connected. And all these stories that we hear about, about all these heroes, even the ones that messed up, it's not like they didn't stay connected to God. They did. And that's why God would call David a man after his own heart, even though the guy, the guy was a kind of a schmuck. Uh, because he always stayed connected. And so, yeah, that, that's the, that's the first rule of thumb. And I'll, um, again, I'm not going to make, make this sound like it's easy. It's not, uh, uh, my wife asked me this morning if I had been praying about something. I'm like, mm, kind of, <laughs> not really. <laughs> yes. No, started to stopped. I don't care. Right. Because I'm just in that place. And luckily for me, Jesus understands that too. Second thing you got to understand about staying connected is this. Nothing you're going through is surprising God. It's not like you're doing something. He's like, wow, I never saw that coming. <laughs> God's omniscient. He knows everything. He, before you were born, before the world began, he knew everything you're going to go through. He knew the very thing you're going through right now. 
and uh, he made you anyway. So this idea that I don't feel like talking to God, yeah, he knew that would happen. And so it, it, it's, it's not a uh, shame thing or a guilt thing or any of that kind of stuff. It's that you know, he knows you're going through this thing and he knows the outcome before you do, which is actually great. And uh, uh, you just got to fight your way through it a little bit, right? Because God already knows. And I should give you a little bit of, of I don't know, uh, hope that you can talk to God and, and, and have, a, have a conversation, even if you're yelling and mad at him or whatever, because you're not really surprising him with any of this stuff. So that, that's an important, an important part of this, um, staying connected part. The other thing I would say, too, is this. Uh, if you've read your scriptures enough, and this is, this is really important, and I used to think scripture reading and memorization and stuff like, well, you know, blah. especially the memorization part. Um, but it's amazing when you get into the word and you just read, because I, I don't memorize scripture to memorize scripture, but it comes because I've read it so much. And there are times when you're in the midst of your um, darkness and a scripture verse will come to mind just out of nowhere. And that's the Holy Spirit feeding you, right? And, uh, but if you don't know your scriptures, it won't happen. And, and so you, you got to get into the Bible and let, let the word, as, as God used to say, uh, I'll put, I'll put my word on their heart, I'll put the law on their hearts. Well, you got to have it there. And if you don't know what the word says, you can't recall it. And if you can't recall it, it can't be used. If it can't be used, it can't help you. And so, um, in these moments when you're down, I know for me, uh, I just get scripture verses that come to my head. Now, I don't always like it, to be honest with you. It's like, I don't want to hear that right now. But Holy Spirit's doing his job. Speaking of which, part of the Holy Spirit's job is to pray for you when you don't know what to pray. So even those moments where you're like, God, I have no idea what to say to you. you know, I'm, I'm pissed and I'm not happy and things aren't going well and... Uh, I am in a dark space or I'm overwhelmed or, you know, whatever the case might be, um, the Holy Spirit's praying for you. The things you don't even know to pray. And uh, Jesus is interceding for you, right? Next thing you got to do to stay connected is understand you're part of the problem versus uh, everyone's lane here, right? Everyone's got a lane. you got a lane. There's things you're supposed to do in the, in the relationship with Jesus that is a partnership. And a lot of times I was sharing with a young woman last night came over for dinner friend of ours that we get we are our worst enemy because we get in the way of things we get in we get in the way of the holy spirit working we get in the way of jesus doing his thing and what i mean by that is uh we will try in our own power to fix something when that's not our job you know we'll pick something that is actually the holy spirit's job to do or we'll pick something that you know needs needs kind of divine intervention or it is a divine lane, and we think we're going to be God and fix it ourselves. And uh, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, you're going to make a decision, and as Scripture says, plans fail for lack of counsel. Okay, I'm going to make a decision. I don't need counsel. I, don't, I can do it myself. And we know from the story of Solomon's kid, Rehoboam, what happens when you get bad counsel. Scripture also says bad company corrupts good character. So stay away from the hooligans, right? Yeah, I like my, they're my friends. I'm going to go out with him. 
and, and so we, sometimes we get in God's way because he wants to help us in our, in our problems. He wants to be there in our troubled water. He will be the one that reaches his hand down to pull us out when we're drowning, right? But we don't let him because we're too busy trying to do his job. Fix the problem ourselves. We won't rely on anybody else. We won't have fellowship. We won't read scripture. We won't pray. Uh, we won't do those things. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you it's easy. Uh, you know, I'm struggling with it right now myself, and it's not easy. But I know what to do. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, though, for all of us? We all know what to do. Uh, we just don't want to do it. I mean, that was Solomon's problem. Solomon was the wisest person ever. And he did everything wrong in his personal life. Everything. And he comes to the end of his, end of his book and he says, um, the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. And he says, everything I did was stupid. It's like, yeah, pretty much. But he gave other people great advice. You ever notice that, that, that you're great at giving other people advice, but your own life's a train wreck? Uh, <laughs> just sign up a side note. So yeah, I think that, that you have to stay out of God's way. And you got to know your lane. You got to know his lane. You got to do your part. You got to do your part. So there, so there, you know, there's that part. Staying connected uh, in prayer. One of the things I, I love about the Psalms and I love about the whole Bible is just how honest it is. You know, the Bible, if it were, if it were a fake book, if it were like a religion and people were trying to convince you to be in the religion, it wouldn't talk about the things it talks about. It wouldn't beat up on its, on its heroes. It wouldn't talk about the, the uh, indecencies and things it talks about. I mean, it's, it's just one of those honest looks at a life that you can have. And I don't think there's any situation in there that, that um, doesn't resonate with what you're going through today. And so uh, one of the things we, we do with, with our our, our Bible and our prayer is kind of understand that um, God loves real life. Uh, you know, I, talk, I talked earlier how the church doesn't want to get roll up its sleeves and get messy. Jesus does. Jesus wants to roll up his sleeves and get messy. You know, look at his ministry. He touched lepers. He healed, you know, the, the blind and the lame. He, he dealt with sinners. He, he, he was with the lowliest of people. Uh, he raised the dead, blah, 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 right? He, he rolled his sleeves up and got dirty. And it, it, the, wor the, the worst dirt he could take was being mocked and spit on and all the rest he went through, beatings and tortured and crucified for our behalf. And it was not only just for salvation, but he was a, a model for us. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now we get this model of what God is and what we're supposed to emulate, and what we find is that um, Jesus isn't afraid of, of, of our mess. And sometimes we think that, you know, if, if people knew what we were thinking, they would just not be our friends anymore. If they really understood. And I think that there's a lot of people out there like that that say, man, if I ever showed my true face, that would be it. People would just abandon me like crazy. Jesus never will. Because, like... You know, think about what he's been through. Why would he abandon you? <laughs> yeah, you know, because there's nothing you're doing that he a didn't know was going to happen in the first place, and b that he's not really kind of experienced. And so, uh, this idea of prayer, this idea of talking to Jesus, is not only does he understand everything, but he's not going to abandon you. He likes he likes the dirtiness of dealing with us. He likes to roll up his sleeves and help out. 
And that's kind of a cool, cool thing to think about is he's not put off by the struggles that we have. He's not put off by if you have a mental health issue like me. He's not put off if you're emotionally distraught. He's not put off if you are struggling uh, with pain issues and you're discouraged or you're frustrated or angry or whatever it might be. He's not put off by that. He's not put off by all the things that the church would tell you that Jesus is put off by. And, and you know, I, I hear some preachers talk about, well, you know, sin, you separate yourself from God. And I'm like, hang on a second. I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Does that mean when I sin, the Holy Spirit leaves me? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Knuckleheads. <laughs> Nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? And that's what Paul says. Whatever's in Jesus' hands stays there. That's what Scripture says. And so this idea that somehow or another you're going to disrupt your relationship with God if, if you know, Jesus found out or, or if I went to Jesus and just yelled and screamed and jumped up and down, that would be it. I'm not supposed to do that. I just don't see that. I see, G, I see David do that all the time. I see David jump up and down, yell and scream at God all the time. I see Job do it. And Job got put in his place, right? But God restored him um, multifold after all his losses because Job remained faithful. So, you know, I, I, as you put this stuff together, you get a big, big picture of, of, of Jesus and you think, yeah, I can keep my eyes on that because um, I don't want to keep my eyes on the storm. But if you're a really dark place, we got to go to the next thing. Uh, ever have a divine appointment? I call them divine appointments where someone comes into your life and you know God put them there, right? I've only had handful of those in my life but they've been at important times kind of vital times uh, i think of this one guy uh, his name was ben langella and ben was a banker he was in millbury california when i was a young punk college just got out of college and uh, i was the newspaper editor with a millbury son and burlingame leader and i didn't have a clue what i was doing but of course at 21 years old you think you do you think you know everything and the publisher and I didn't see eye to eye because I was conservative and he was a liberal. And this, this paper is right outside San Francisco. And so everything's liberal. And the guy paid like dirt. And I was living in my car eating bologna sandwiches. And Ben Langella took me under his wing and taught me valuable lessons and kind of protected me because he was the big advertiser for the newspaper. So <laughs> they couldn't fire me because Ben was protecting me. But Ben was a World War II vet and... Uh, he, it was a divine appointment. God put him in my life at a certain time to um, teach me and guide me and protect me and do different things. And I just believe that God put him there. Uh, do you have that? These divine appointments? What I'm getting to is why scripture says don't stop meeting like some people do. The last thing you want to do when you're in a dark place is be around people. Right? But that's the thing you should do. Is find that person that or people that you can go to and talk it out you know sometimes that is not going to be your spouse because it's just too um, close uh, sometimes it's an accountability partner sometimes it's a church group sometimes it's you know a, a good friend I mean I don't know who it is but sometimes it, it, it's some kind of divine appointment somebody that God has put into your life that you can have the conversation with and just a vent and have that person maybe give you some advice. And I've, I've got an accountability partner who's given me some advice sometimes when I've been venting. And it's been helpful. And not that I took it right away. You know, I had to chew on it and go, yeah, knucklehead's probably right. 
Um, but you can't stop meeting like people do. You can't stop engaging the world, engaging your life, because you're having um, your, a breakdown, whatever it might be. And it's the last thing you want to do, trust me. Uh, there was a book that a pastor told me about, Pastor Randy, Randy Pearson. He said there's a book out there that said there's four types of people you have to have in your life, and it was from Scripture. And one was a Jonathan, and one was a Peter, and one was a whatever they are, whatever the whatever they were. And uh, um, he was going through this with me, and I'm kind of looking at him sideways. And he goes, well, do you have these people? I'm like, no. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have a Jonathan. I don't have any of these guys. And he goes, well, how, how do you how do you do things? And I'm like, yeah, I struggle along, right? I'm kind of an island. And that's really hard because there are people out there like me that are very much an island. And it's hard to engage people. You don't want to engage people. You don't want to talk to people. They're not going to understand. And they don't care anyway, right? But that's not what Scripture says. And the hard part of all of what I'm saying is everything I'm saying that is the way to, to stay connected to God in your troubled water are things you don't want to do, are things that cause you to step out of the boat you don't want to step out of. And it's not that you're having a pity party. I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying that. You know, people are like, well, you know, if you just, you got to buck up or you just, you just got to have a better mindset or change your attitude. That's such nonsense advice because I saw this great thing about PTSD and it says it's, it's, it's not that you can't stop thinking about your past or let go of your past. It's that your past won't let go of you. And when you frame it that way, it makes a lot more sense. Um, your past won't let go of you. And so uh, how do you deal with it? When, when, you're, when, it, when you're triggered, when you're, when you're upset, when you're struggling, when things aren't going well. And what I'm saying is what Scripture tells us is to do all the things we don't want to do. Um, now here's another thing that we're supposed to do that we don't feel like doing. Serve somebody else. Uh, one of the best ways if you have depression, maybe depressive disorder or, or, or dysthemia, I think is the term, uh, you serve somebody else. And what you find is that your brain rewires a little bit because you all of a sudden care about somebody else and you're not really focused on your storm, you're focused on their storm. And uh, yeah, and that, and that can be a really positive thing. Now you got to watch it because there's some psychology about what you'll do is just start serving everybody but yourself at the expense of yourself. You don't want to do that. But there is, there is something to be said about serving somebody else in the midst of your trouble that will give you perspective, right? So the past week and a half, I think I've, I've talked to four or five people in, in counseling where their, their troubles are much greater than mine. I mean, they're really, they have some real issues. And uh, I, I've helped walk them through some hopeful management tools and, and, and ways to, to uh, you know, move forward. And it gives you perspective because they're struggling a lot worse than I am. Uh, I, I have a lot more tools than they do. And my life's a lot less um, bouncy at this point than theirs is. And so, you know, you, you can go, hmm, I get it. I get it. I get it, Lord. Um, I'm not, what I'm going through is not so bad. I get it. And others are having it a lot worse than me. And serve, 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 serve. Then you look at it and this way. If you know your scripture, you know that the, the, the disciples, as they were serving, were not treated well, right? You know, they're beaten and they're thrown in jail and they're, you know, at the end they all get killed except for John. 
Um, the prophets didn't have it any better. <laughs> the prophets were killed when they were trying to say God's word. Those of us that, that uh, follow Jesus uh, were told, that if they're going to do it to Jesus, they're going to do it to you, right? Whatever they do to the master, they'll certainly do to the servants. And so even when you're serving, sometimes it doesn't play out the way you think it will. Sometimes you're used, sometimes you're abused, sometimes, um, yeah, it just doesn't go like you're supposed to. But you got to have a Christian mindset about the whole thing and understand that, that this is the key. You're not serving them, you're serving God. And this is what flips a little bit of the switch when you're having a hard time and staying connected to God, is understanding that everything you do in life, you're supposed to glorify God. Every thought, every action, every, you know, every word, every everything. You're supposed to glorify God. And so when you're helping somebody else, it's not about them. It's about glorifying God. When you're meeting with somebody, you're being obedient so that you can glorify God. And that person can have a divine appointment to help you out. When you're reading scripture and the Holy Spirit's revealing to you, you're glorifying God because you're open to, you know, having a soft enough heart to hear what the God's going to tell you. When you're praying and praying out your heart, um, God loves that. You're glorifying God, right? Because you're in a relationship. All these things are about God. It's not about you. And it's not about another person. And so if you can get that mindset, it helps, again, bring perspective back to whatever you're going through. And I'm not, I'm not saying what you're going through isn't real. It is. It just is. Uh, but this last, this last part's really, this other part's really, I'm not sure it's the last part or not, but the other part's really important. Scripture says to take every thought to the obedience of Christ. And and I was confused by that for some years, and uh, I figured out it's not, I'm, it's not rocket science, but this idea that as you have a thought, a negative self uh, talk, or you have, you know, violent thought, or you have, um, you're vengeful, or you're hurt, or you're jealous, or you're whatever, you have to understand two things. One, your emotions lie. Scripture says your emotions are a liar. And two, when you have those thoughts, you have to bring it to the obedience of Christ, which means Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. I'm the truth, right? The truth shall set you free. Is what you're thinking true? And that's what it means to take it obedient to Christ. Is what you're thinking Christ-like? Is what you're thinking the truth of Jesus? Or are your emotions lying to you? Now, I'm not going to say there aren't things to be frustrated and angry about. There are. Uh, I'm not saying that, that um, you know, life's a bowl of cherries. <laughs> Sometimes it's nothing but the pits. You ever heard that joke? Uh, it's tough. But if you can take your thoughts to the obedience of Christ and say, you know, through it all, I'm going to do my best to be Christ-like, um, you know, that, that's the struggle. That, that, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And we fail at it. To be honest, I'm failing right now at it. Um, I, I can't tell you that my life right now, I'm in, I'm in a funk. I'm in a place where um, I'm struggling a little bit with, with all of this. And all the things I'm advising you to do, I'm not doing. <laughs> so, uh, you, know, you know, it's one of these do as I say and as I do things. I, and I get back to it. You know, I go through these cycles and I cycle in and out of them and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there are some issues I have that are long-term issues that there aren't uh, what I would consider worldly solutions to. That they're either going to be handled uh, by divine intervention or it, they're going to be handled by God giving me a heart for uh, long-suffering encouragement, whatever it might be. And it is what it is. But we have to understand at the end of the day, and this, this is the important part, at the end of the day, God's sovereign. 
At the end of the day, it all gets fixed. At the end of the day, there are no more tears. There's no more anger. There's no more hurt. There's no more anything that you're going through. If you got mental health issues, those get fixed. If you have emotional issues, you're okay. They, those get those get healed. Um, you know, if you have physical issues, you get a new body, so that's not going to be a problem. Uh, if if you're spiritually broken, uh, God fixes all that. And so, the hope in all of this is uh, this too shall pass, and you're you'll you'll it's all going to work out. And it's hard to keep that perspective sometimes because in the midst of it, all you see are the trees, not the forest. But you got to you got to have perspective, and I think that's the 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 big thing I, I get from reading scripture is, you know, things things are a process, and we look at our lives, and we see the snapshot we're in, and we get so focused on the snapshot we're in that. We don't have the perspective of what's this going to look like in three months? What's this going to look like in six months or a year or two years? What's that going to look like? Right? Or worse, we project, oh my God, the next 30 years are going to be like this. I can't, I can't live with that. Um, but you don't know. Because if you look backwards in your life and you say, I'm going to pick a situation from you know, 1987. <laughs> and by eight, 1989, it was resolved. But you had no idea in 1987 that that could be resolved. But by 89, it was, it was fixed, right? Life is full of variables. You just don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, um, you know, that Forrest Gump thing, life is like a box of chocolates. And for me, sometimes you get the coconut one. Uh, I hate coconut. But you can spit the coconut one out eventually and get that taste out of your mouth with a rock star or something and then get the nice caramel one. Um, life is fluid. And this too will pass. And so those of you that are struggling, and maybe you are listening or will listen, uh, and I'm struggling right now, you have to have perspective. And to stay connected to God, you got to understand you can't just stop your baseline stuff. You can't stop reading scripture. You can't stop talking to God. You can't stop having the fellowship. You can't stop doing your studies. You may have to take them in smaller bites than you're used to. You know, I used to um, read several pages of, of various things every night before I went to bed. Past few nights, I haven't read anything. Uh, and I recognize I probably need to read a little bit um, because I've, I've gotten away, and that's one of the litmus tests. I certainly am not feeling the spiritual fruit right now, so I know I'm unaligned uh, in terms of Holy Spirit in me. And so i got to figure that out and work it out. Luckily, I have a lot of experience at this, so <laughs> I'll be able to do it. Uh, and and you just you just got to fight through it. And it's a good fight. You know, scripture talks about running the race and running it to win. Have you ever been in a race? Have you ever been in a, a sporting event? Um, uh, some people will play, play high school basketball or you'll play football or wrestle or whatever you do. Volleyball. Me, it's kickboxing, whatever it might be. There's always a point sometimes in the game where things didn't go well. <laughs> sometimes the game's going back and forth or the other team's ahead and you've got to catch up uh, or, or, you know, they got more points than you and you got to you got to somehow do this. Or if you're playing baseball, they got more runs and somehow you got to manufacture a run. Um, that's kind of where you're at. That's where I'm at is, you know, I'm in the middle of this game and I'm losing. And I've got to figure out how to manufacture a run. i got to figure out how to, how to um, you know, get, get back in the game. 
even though right now I'm, the score is lopsided. And I can do that. Yeah. We, we've all been there. We've all had the experience of, of that because we're told run the race to win. And so right now, I might be heading into the quarter mile mark, and uh, actually it's probably three quarter mile mark with me, and uh, um, I'm behind on the on the on the turn. I gotta I gotta have a good kick here. I gotta I gotta kick it in. Now, yeah, how am I gonna do that? Well, I don't have all the answers right now. I don't know what's gonna set me over the top here to allow me to kind of get back to my old self. Um, but I know I have to do it. And so do you. And uh, in the midst of your troubled waters, you can't just slide away from God because that is what Satan wants you to do because then he'll take advantage of you. Once, once, once you stop the disciplines, once you stop reading the Bible and talking to God and, and all the other things I've mentioned, once you stop doing that, you are just a target and you're an easy target. And Satan will come and you know, wreck your life. And either by talking negative, self-talking to your life, setting up situations where you make really bad decisions, and then you pay the consequences for them, and all sorts of dumb stuff will happen. And, and it's your fault. Because you set yourself up to be a target of Satan. You know better, right? We all know better. But in our darkness, in our struggle, we... Um, we don't care. <laughs> just be honest with you. You just, you know, suffer the consequences later. Screw it. And what I want to encourage you tonight, and maybe encourage me or whatever, is um, think through that. You know, things in life are hard. Uh, I deal with a lot of college kids that are graduating and things, and they're and they're adulting for the first time, and they're finding life is hard. Uh, or high school kids that got out and they're you know having their first job, they're they're trying to go to college, and you know, life life. Life is hard. There's a uh, meme out there that says to the younger generation, <laughs> you know, suck it up, buttercup. Life hasn't even begun to screw you yet. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Sorry, young people. It get it get it gets worse. <laughs> but so so I just gotta say that uh, uh, if you don't stay connected to Jesus, if you don't stay connected somehow during your troubled times, um, there's no one else gonna help you. Because nobody cares. Work harder, right? But if you do stay connected, somehow, even if you're yelling at God, even if you're unhappy, even if you're just grousing, right? Um, Jesus can lift his, reach his hand down and pull you out of the muck the way he pulled Peter out of the water and saved him when he was drowning. And so, uh, as hard as it is, and again, I'm just going to reiterate this. This is not easy stuff I'm talking about. Uh, and I'm not sure that I'm going to walk out of this, you know, leave the mic tonight and be all better. I actually can tell you I'm not going to be. But, yeah, I know I need to, I need to work on it. And I know that if I have a choice of working on it on my own or working on it with Jesus, I'll take the Jesus part because uh, I can't do it on my own. I, I, won't, I won't be successful on my own. And I know that not just from reading scripture, but I know that from experience. Uh, I know it intellectually, and I know it in my heart. Even though right now it sounds like the last thing I want to do. So I, I hope that maybe tonight's been edifying. Maybe you learned something. Maybe I've said something that resonated. Uh, and just know that, that that through this all, and this is the thing that, that I have no issue with at all, God loves us 
right where we are, and he knows we're gonna have hard times. It's not like this is a surprise or he's mad that I'm like, oh, what's up with you? Blah, blah, blah. No, that's not God. That's not the Jesus I know. The Jesus I know would come walk around on, on my side, put his arm around me and say, come on, let's get this done, right? Be encouraging, be, be, be someone who lifted me up. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to, to think about your baseline. Think about where you're at with that. Give yourself a self-assessment self of where you are with your baseline, as well as the spiritual fruit. Love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Where are you? Are you aligned or not? And then based upon your scripture readings, understand that God doesn't keep you from the issues. He, he meets you in them. That God can meet you in your situation. And you should try to talk to him about it and see if there's a way that he can do things that you can't do in your own power. So you should stay out of the way and let him work. All right, I'm done tonight. Um, yeah, I, I'm back Sunday. I have no idea what I'm preaching on. I'll be live at some manka place. That'll be fun. always love seeing those women. And so I uh, hope you have a great Tuesday night, and we will catch up with you on Sunday.